a shorthanded chance. Yenmark down the middle, scores! Matias Yenmark, shorthanded goal! From the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas studios and live at LVSportsNetwork.com. Puck comes out high. Watt gets the puck off to the races. Into the zone. The righty. Right circle. Backhander. He scores! What a move! Nicholas Watt gets the Knights back in the lead. This is the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show. Your destination for inside access with the team. Exclusive player interviews and breaking news from around the National Hockey League. Here are your hosts, Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Welcome in Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show, Fox Sports Las Vegas. Wallace, Millard Chapman, live inside the Finley Chevrolet Fox Sports Las Vegas Studios. Finley Chevrolet on the 215, home of the... You you are having a rough week. I'm going to tell you that right now. That you are having a rough week. Well, (laughs) you you know, and, and I will explain. Whoever... I don't program the hours, and I noticed while the legal was playing that there was 20 seconds left in the hour before the open plays, and the problem is if I play the open before the top of the hour, it won't record. Yeah. So I, that's that's not my fault. Actually, it was a good thing I caught it. It may have sounded bad, but <laughs> at least on the podcast, it'll sound better, so... But yeah, someone someone programmed the hour incorrectly. They left us twenty seconds short. So you know what's really weird about that is I wasn't even talking about you, but you have a guilty conscience because you jumped in right away, defended yourself, and <laughs> and spun it into you saving the day. That's the most amazing part about I did that. Save I was the talking day. to somebody in the room with me for for oh well well you know I mean you you were giving me a hard time before before you're like wait what <laughs> so you, what what was that are you in the studio or are you in Nebraska <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm not in Nebraska. No, I'm in. I'm in the studio. Imagine what we'd be like, Ryan, if we could get on the air clean and and perfectly. Like we would have the an award-winning show every every hour. We already have an award-winning show, just not every hour. No, every every segment I think is award-winning. <laughs> Uh, we've got Brian McCormick oh coming up in uh, just a little bit, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights. Uh, they are in a do-or-die situation tomorrow night against the Colorado Eagles after dropping game one of their best-of-three series last night just outside of Denver. So uh, we'll uh, get his assessment in that uh, 5-2 loss, which the score was very, very misleading compared to the actual game. Uh, we'll get into more from uh, what we heard from the players earlier this week in locker room cleanout day and media availability day, and then the uh, follow-up from the Stanley Cup playoffs. We, we have as many people on this show today as there are e-bugs in the National Hockey League this week. It's supposed <laughs> to be the playoffs. Like, there's not supposed to be e-bug situations anymore, and, and it's happening all over the place. You well, know, it's not supposed to, but it is when you consider that that most of uh, you know at least three teams starting goaltenders are unavailable to start the playoffs. UC Soros unavailable to start the playoffs for uh, the Nashville Predators, and then you've got uh, Casey DeSmith batting cleanup for Tristan Jari going down in that first game, and all of a sudden now you're down to third string goaltender. Louis Domingue for the Pittsburgh Penguins in this one. And then Frederick Anderson goes down. Then Antti Ranta, shocker, goes down with an injury. And, and you're you're down to your third-string goaltender there with Carolina. So it, it's it's 
pretty wild and 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 it's been entertaining it's like we're three days in and there are three e-bug situations going on right now in the nhl and in the stanley cup playoffs and and i'm here for all of the chaos yeah we'll tell you who the backup will be tonight for the pittsburgh penguins as louis domingue goes from third stringer all the way up to starting goaltender in that series against the New York Rangers. We'll also fill you in in what happened on the e-bug situation for the Carolina Hurricanes, who despite all that chaos are up 2 nothing on the Boston Bruins, who are making a goalie change themselves. But uh, let's start off uh, with the Henderson Silver Knights and bring in our good friend Brian McCormick, the star of the show with the Henderson Silver Knights uh, on radio and television. It was a 5-2 loss against the Colorado Eagles last night, but uh, that was not a, a 5-2 game, my friend. Uh, bring us up to date for those that maybe didn't catch the entire broadcast last night. Yeah, guys. Yeah, thanks for having me on. Appreciate it. it was uh, you're right. It, it didn't feel like a five-two game. Uh, it definitely felt like a game that the Silver Knights found their comfort level in the third period. Uh, Colorado scores 31 seconds in on Jason Megna deflection. They had a, a shorthanded goal later in the first period, and uh, it was definitely uh, for a Silver Knights team that had, I, I believe, it was seven players making their Calder Cup playoff debut. Uh, the, the game took off at the start and got away from them a little bit. Uh, in the second period, Yuri Patera made 18 saves. He was the reason it was still 2 nothing entering the third period. Uh, and then that, that's when the Silver Knights seemed to, to find their footing a little bit. Paul Cotter scoring to get Henderson on the board and kind of get them a chance to, to feel good about something. Sven Berchi adding one as well. Uh, it was a 3-2 game with two and a half to play, and then a couple of empty netters for Colorado puts it away, but uh, it was a, it was a game that the Silver Knights for for a game that started so uh, problematically, really the first minute and a half or so, yeah. uh, they they were able to, to maintain uh, and and give themselves a chance in the in the final minute of the uh, minutes of the third period. So, uh, no question, they need to be better in game two because I think Colorado is going to be better in game two. But they gave themselves something in the third period to feed off of. If Henderson is better at the start of periods. Will they be happy in Game Two with uh, with their chances of evening the series? You know, I, I think it's it's not so much being better at the start of period. Again, they gave up uh, the goal thirty one seconds in. Yeah. It was a wrist shot from the blue line that got tipped in front. You know, it wasn't a, a breakdown; it was just a lost face off and a shot that got through. Um, I, I think more important for them is just being more assertive right. in the first period. I don't think they were able to play the two hundred foot game that they wanted, uh, and it wasn't that they were being. We didn't see as many uh, as we have for a team that won six in a row and had points in nine straight coming into the playoffs. We didn't see the the sustained offensive zone pressure where you're able to to string together a cycle and and you know really wear another team down. We really didn't see that until the third period where they were able to exploit some mistakes. Uh, so I, I think having a little bit better of a a puck possession game through the neutral zone, a little bit more of a clean, assertive. Yeah, game skating the puck is going to make them a little bit more balanced offensively and give them a little bit more of a, an offensive zone presence. Um, but I think the important thing for the Silver Knights, too, is um, yesterday was a game where they were chasing the game. They, they weren't uh, on, to- on their toes in the first period. It's a really difficult building in Loveland uh, to play in from a, a, a visiting perspective. We don't really have that many hostile buildings in hockey anymore, or at least not, nothing, none that, uh, that gained the reputation of uh, like the spectrum in Philadelphia did where you feel you can actually feel the fans on top of you and that that kind of uh, animosity you feel that in Loveland so it's a really tough place to chase a hockey game uh, and when you look at Colorado their numbers during the season they were a minus this is the number two goal scoring team in the league they were minus two in first periods 
and then they were plus 21 in seconds and plus 17 in third. That's a team that gets better as the game goes along. So if you fall behind early, it's only going to get more difficult as the, as the game goes along. So that doesn't mean it's important for the Silver Knights to score. I mean, it's, it's, it's really going to help them to score first and to have a, a good start, which almost seems like a throwaway line. Everybody wants to have a good start. But um, certainly it, it's a difficult building to chase the game. And I think the Silver Knights want to make sure they don't put themselves in a position like that. If they don't score first, fine. But make sure you're generating chances and playing on, on your own terms in the first 20 minutes. Uh, you bring up uh, hostile environments, and I had uh, the the uh, vision of the the Boston Bruins going into the stands and beating people with shoes uh, because uh, <laughs> things were were happening uh, like that. You're right, though. We 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 don't have that, and when it does happen, it kind of does uh, throw you back a little bit. Brian McGormick is with us uh, on the VGK Insider Show. Now, Brian, you're you're getting your your first look of Brendan Brisson in a playoff type atmosphere. Uh, just kind of your evaluation of his game last night, but but also his, the evaluation of Brendan since coming to the Henderson Silver Knights of what you've seen out of his game so far. Yeah, you know, you know, Ryan. Just to go back real quick, the the structure, uh, the the way it's configured at Budweiser Events there, it's it's not uh, a mirror of the Dollar Loan Center, but kind of similar in that there's one big lower bowl. Uh, so if fans, if players do climb the glass and make their way into the stands, it's not going to take very long until they reach my booth. So I'm hoping that doesn't happen because I can't call the game and throw left simultaneously. Uh, to the Brendan Brisson point, you know he came out of a, came into the league, shot out of a cannon. He had goals in his first three games, putting up multi-point games. Uh, so he had a really electrifying start. A little quieter the last couple of games of the regular season, but again that was against good teams like Ontario. Uh, you know he's got a tremendous release. We know what his, his one-timer is from the right side. It's pretty much patented at this point. Um, I, I think we, we know that he's confident with the puck on his stick, and he's a huge power play factor. Now we're seeing him learn the rest of the game, learn the rest of the pro game, the AHL game, playing against older players. I think there's no better environment than playoff hockey where you know, everyone brings their best. The urgency is, is you know, risen a little bit, and you know, now you're going up against guys who have been playing in the league for multiple years, some guys with Stanley Cup playoff experience. And that's a little different than playing games in late April against teams who already have their playoff seeds locked up. So, you know, I think, I think Brennan's been very, very good. He's without question been a top-line player for the Silver Knights since he arrived. Uh, and, you know, what the playoffs is about is about players who are established and who we know what they're, what they're capable of digging down and giving us a little bit more. Isn't that in the Stanley Cup playoffs, you know, we, we know what Sidney Crosby is. But he still finds ways to surprise us by coming through in big moments. Now, that's just a name I just picked off off the top of my head because uh, I've got the TV on behind me and the Rangers and Penguins just started. But the point being is, you know, Brendan Brisson is still learning what he's capable of. So, you know, seeing him fit into a top six role uh, and drive play a little bit is good. And now we're also going to see what the playoffs, uh, you know, forging players in fire, what, what it can do for not just him, but, but every Silver Knights prospect that wants bigger things. Jake LeCision's had a phenomenal year, a great uh, campaign to, to push forward his profile as perhaps an everyday NHLer in the very near future. What can he do in a playoff setting when his team needs him most or needs a big player, needs a responsible penalty killer or something? That's what we're going to learn. So, you know, it's a very small sample size so far for Brendan Brisson. So far, that small sample size has been very, very impressive. Now, you know, what will we see from him in a playoff setting where it's not just the offensive numbers that we're focused on, but how he comes through, how he is dependable for a coaching staff in what is sure to be high-stakes hockey 
with a very small margin for error. He is the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, uh, Brian McCormick, joining us from uh, Colorado. Uh, with with all due respect, you justify him pulling out Sidney Crosby's uh, name because he was on the TV behind you. Uh, you could be in a 200-foot tunnel on the moon, and that would be one of the first names that I would uh, that I would bring up. So uh, It would have occurred to me, yeah. Yeah, yeah, it, it would have come about. <laughs> uh, so uh, I don't know whether you heard today, but, uh, but Jared Evans was uh, named the uh, IFL, the Indoor Football League's uh, Offensive Player of the Week, the uh, – Vegas Nighthawks quarterback and so he bursts through he comes through with an amazing performance that leads the Vegas Nighthawks to a win and they have got an opportunity to to make it two in a row uh, coming up on on Sunday on Mother's Day Uh, who do you think is poised to do that type of thing in a do or die performance tomorrow and replicate what Jared Evans did on the weekend interesting so are we talking just uh cornerstone player who carries the team or are we talking high-flying offensive performance i will leave it totally up to you to give you the most ultimate freedom on this okay i'm gonna say just based on what we saw in game one and of course if you want a different result than game one then you're going to need different players to step up obviously if you get a carbon copy of the same even things you liked obviously you lost game one you need a little bit more but Yuri Patera was absolutely outstanding last night, absolutely sparkling, especially in the second period. He stopped 18 shots of 18 shots, and some of them of the the, the Cirque du Soleil variety, and he was so, so good. And it was a game where the Silver Knights offensively didn't get going until the third period, and then once they started pushing, they found some downhill momentum. If the Silver Knights can get the start that they need, um, and it's a do-or-die situation, and I find that so unique. We're talking do or die in a three-game series. I almost feel that to be less stressful than do or die in a seven-game series or a five-game series because usually the the back uh, the wall that your back is against has been built by what you've learned in the first games of that series. You need to say, oh, well, you know, we have to win tomorrow and we haven't been able to figure out this goaltender. How are we going to do it tomorrow? Or our power play hasn't clicked. How do we know it will be there for us tomorrow? When you only have to respond from one loss, there really isn't a sample size to worry about. It's just, okay, we're looking to bounce back from a loss like we do any other game. And in that instance, sometimes goaltending can be the cornerstone. This is a Colorado team with Hunter Miska, who had a save percentage below 900, I think in the, the low 890s. I know Eustace Ananen, who carried the, the vast, vast majority of their workload, uh, the rookie goaltender, he had a save percentage of 893. So this is a Colorado team that's very, very good, but they largely do it by... By, by beating you down offensively and, and winning in a run-and-gun fashion. They're not relying on their goaltending. So if the Silver Knights can get some sort of offensive pushback and get something similar to what Yuri Pater did last night and the game before where he shut out the Ontario Reign with 44 stops, you know that, that could be enough to really put a, a crimp in the plans of a Colorado team that is well-rounded and strong but definitely relies on its top line and its scoring prowess to win games. So which uh, Cirque show was he putting on last night? Mystere, O. Oh. Michael Jackson, like the one, oh, which which you, one was he doing? You know, I, I've I've not seen uh, any of them, so I, I work too much. Darren is what it is. I get out. I, I don't get out. I have no social life whatsoever. It's uh, it's one of my. This is flaws. your social life right now. This is my, talking to you, and yes, you don't yeah. do any kind of acrobatics, <laughs> uh, or at least not recently. <laughs> no, <laughs> I, I, I Doug McLean used to call me uh, like the Michael Jackson of goaltending and acrobatics. Because he would say that I would wear one glove for no apparent reason. Uh, that that's what Doug would say. So uh, I would fall under the one category. But uh, but sounds like uh, Yuri was much better than that. 
Well, I'm going to tell Yuri that tomorrow at Morning Skate. I'm going to say that's the, the comparison we're juggling with. And if he makes a stop while moonwalking in the first period, then I'll give you that. <laughs> <laughs> that's awesome. Uh, it's Brian McCormick with us, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights and our great friend on the VGK Insider Show. Uh, he will have the broadcast tomorrow night on Fox Sports Las Vegas as the Henderson Silver Knights try to stay alive, chatting with Darren Millard and Ryan Wallace. Now, you, you mentioned kind of goaltending as, as being the bedrock, and, and I think that it is in any type of playoff series, especially a, a three-game series like this one. Uh, but, you know, you look at who showed up on the on the scorecard for the Henderson Silver Knights last night, Paul Cotter, Sven Berchi. So uh, I guess the question for me is, is we've seen Paul Cotter in limited time up with the Vegas Golden Knights, and he seems to have a knack for scoring in big moments and big goals. Uh, what's the next step for Paul Cotter, um, not just in in terms of, of this playoff Anderson Silver Knights, but just just in his career and the steps that he's taken this year? I think consistency is part of it. There, there's definitely a, an element for consistency and, and bringing it every time. You know, Paul will have really good seven or eight game stretches, then he'll have a quieter three or four game stretch. And it was, it was funny, there was an instance this year where, where it was probably January or so, and I said to Paul, I said, hey, you've got points in seven straight games, but it was all assists. And he said, yeah, you know, i, I got to start scoring goals, too, though. He's hard on himself like that. Uh, so looking at last night, you could almost sense a little bit of frustration from Paul Cotter and a little bit of a, come on, guys, we need to go. We need to wake up now. Uh, and it was a turnover off the wall. He picked the puck up off Stefan Matteau, stepped to the middle, let it rip, and got him on the board. And, and he can be a catalyst like that. So, you know, I think two things. One, you know, when there's a little bit of a lull in the production, find a way to contribute in other ways, and that's somewhere a place where he's taking a huge step this year. Uh, and then secondly, when he plays at that edge, that little bit of nastiness, that little bit of anger, we think so much of the finesse of Paul Cotter. When he has that scrappy element, he's, he's a double-edged sword in terms of uh, a difficult player to play against. And if he can tap into that channel, into that, uh, that, that little bit of a chip on his shoulder more often, I think that helps him too. This will be a question as much for the audience as you two guys. Uh, I'm really curious about this because we're watching the Stanley Cup playoffs with best of seven, best of seven, best of seven, and then the Stanley Cup final, best of seven. Rarely do we see anything shorter than that anymore. Maybe the odd best of five in different leagues. This, This goes back to the early 80s, late 70s in, in the Stanley Cup playoffs, where there was the, uh, the, some best of threes, and where you're up against it right off the bat. Part of me kind of likes it. I, I don't like where Henderson's sitting right now, but the urgency <laughs> of the series generates something. Uh, Ryan and then Brian, uh, give me your thoughts. Well, I mean, you, you can't really – wade into it right like you, you've got to get right to work and and the immediacy of having to answer not just after a loss but needing to answer because you want to extend the series you want to push your opposition to the brink I think that that lends toward uh just what what I would hope to see from from Henderson tomorrow is just more um urgency in, in everything that they do and, and you know Brian kind of mentioned you want to start the game and you want to not have to chase the game I, I think that that kind of brings about um, that that level of urgency because you you don't have any margin for error anymore um, but 
you know, I, I just, I, I can't imagine the, the thought process or just kind of that feeling of, of going into a series. You've got one game under your belt and you're already facing elimination. I, I, I as a player, I wouldn't want to do that, but uh, I, I do think there's something to be said about you need to get right to your game and you have to make sure your follow-up performance is your best one of the series. It's startling, Brian. Yeah, you know, I really, I've given it some thought, Darren, because I've tried to, you know, craft the narrative from every direction. I really don't like it, and I, I hope the AHL doesn't come back with it in the future. I understand why uh, for this year, and especially with different teams and different can you divisions. Explain, playing. Can you explain why? Uh, of course. For one, I think we always talk about the nature of a best-of-seven series in any sport being the best way of finding of making sure that the best team wins. Anyone can win one game. It's hard to win four. And so that makes sure that the best team advances or that a team that does advance that's a lower seed or a lower talent really earns it or someone does something special. Um, there's something to be said for the excitement, too, but I, I think the Abbots for Canucks are the best example I can come up with. Abbots for Canucks won nine straight games until their final two games of the regular season. They went to Manitoba, they got thumped twice. But you could say those were two games where maybe they were resting guys or maybe they just got caught off guard. Whatever it is, they won nine in a row, lost twice in Winnipeg, lost home ice advantage, went to Bakersfield. They gave up a one nothing lead with 30 seconds left in the third period and lost in overtime. They, went to, uh, they gave up a goal with a minute and a half left in game two and lost in game two. In four games, their season is over. Now, they put themselves in that position with how they performed in their last two games of the regular season. But for a postseason that we enjoy and romanticize the battle, the grind, the war of attrition, how teams respond to controversy, the ebbs and flows of every series, in a game, a three-game series, you have no time for any of that. And frankly, and again, this is kind of what I spoke about. I don't know. I've asked some players, you know, it's an urgent must-win game two situation for Henderson on Friday, and they'll treat it as such. But being one game down, I really don't know if, if that sense of, of desperation sets in, which if you're a player, you, you want to play loose. You don't want to feel like the, the world is on your shoulders. That could be a good thing. But for the sake of the desperation, you know, that's earned – over the course of a five, six, seven game run against the team, you guys have beat the, the heck out of each other for two weeks. And by the time that must win game comes, it's juxtaposed against a body of work. Here in the blink of an eye, your season is over. It's either going to disadvantage good teams. I heard the end of your, uh, your goaltender conversation. You lose your goalie in the first period of a three game series. You're in a heck of a lot of trouble and it's not your fault. You're being punished by circumstances that are very much beyond your control. And it doesn't give you the kind of time to, to manage that series and, and work back into a, a more advantageous, uh, advantageous situation. So, you know, I just, I just think it takes way. I, I think it gives way more advantage to a team trying to steal one than to a good team in position who's done all the right things to, to put their foot on. Now, a good team should be able to win a three-game series as well, but I feel like it just evens the odds. And I don't, I don't always like when that feels like it's uh, been artificially done. So, you know, I, it, it'll be fun. It's fun for what it is. I understand why we're doing it. I think there's a little bit more merit uh, in, a, in a five or a seven than there is in a three. And I think, I think for the players, too, having talked to them, they say, well, we've never really been in this situation before, so we're not really sure, you know, how to handle the, the momentum swings that come within it. That can make it interesting. I don't know if it makes it a better merit for the ultimate Calder Cup champion. I like the immediate drama. This is a one-year-only thing, though, right? With with the I don't know. It, it, okay. They introduced it this year. It, it was not with the caveat that it was necessarily going away. I'm sure they'll readdress it and just you know what do we think, guys. Uh, but I don't know. I don't know for absolute certainty that it's this year only. Well, they will be readdressing it if you have an opinion. 
Hey, I just show up and talk to myself. I'm, I'm, I don't get to make decisions like that. I just scream when someone scores in overtime. Well, I, I'm pretty sure, and Ryan, correct me if I'm wrong, based on me kind of liking the best of three and Brian's opinion yeah. on the best of three, McCormick just called me an idiot. I'm pretty um, sure it's the first time we've ever disagreed on anything whatsoever. <laughs> I'll, we talked talk about very he, shallow topics, you and I, Derek. <laughs> yes, yes, we do. <laughs> Brian Brian did call you an idiot, but yeah. it, it was done in, in such a great way. A very that, tactful uh, way, yeah. Yeah, it was, it was subtle, and, and it was well-delivered, and I think that that softened the blow a little bit. And, you know, Darren, my wife calls me an idiot quite often, so you're right. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, so tomorrow's game two. If it goes to a deciding game three, they have to turn around and do that right away on on Saturday on Fox Sports Las Vegas. All, all yep. three games, but tomorrow night is different because Henderson. Even though the game's in Colorado, Henderson's the home team. Correct for for purposes of last change, uh, Henderson will be designated as the home team. Uh, I've not heard of any to the uh, the music format or the light show or the yes. horn. Uh, Harold, the town crier, is still in Vegas, to the best of my knowledge. If the Silver Knights score, the only person screaming will be me. But for the sake of the last change, uh, Silver Knights will be the home team for Game 2. Wow. Uh, I just can't wait to see who uh, plays the role of Jared Evans. Uh, the Indoor Football League Player of the Week, the quarterback, uh, jumped up and led the Vegas Nighthawks to a uh, shocking win over the defending champions. And and. From the sounds of it, McCormick thinks it could be Yuri Patera uh, in game number two tomorrow. Uh, are you losing your voice? Are you okay? Because I'm... you're hearing that too. Well, you know what? I did. I did my radio show earlier. I did another yeah. interview before. I've, I've been talking to myself for the majority of the last three hours. So I think I'm just gonna. I'm gonna use uh, my, what I use for this to, to, to rectify it. Is M and M's hasn't failed me yet, so I'm gonna get on those. <laughs> uh, I'm gonna watch some playoff hockey tonight and uh, get ready for tomorrow night. And from what I understand, I believe tomorrow night there's gonna be a viewing party at uh, Lifeguard Arena, at Mackenzie River, if I'm not mistaken. So, nice. Oh, I want to make sure I've got my instrument ready for that. Uh, well, I'm just worried about your voice because uh, if you are losing your voice, we just happen to have a couple of VGK broadcasters in your area. Shane Knighty and Darren That's Elliott right. are are calling the Nashville. Avalanche game tonight on TNT on Turner Sports. So not only is Brian McCormick uh, calling the Calder Cup playoffs, but uh, the VGK uh, broadcasters are also involved in, in the national broadcast. Dave Gosher is doing the Calgary game. Ashley Vice is uh, on the Minnesota uh, St. Louis series. So our people are everywhere right now. So if you're a little scratchy, just give Elliot or Nighty a call, and they can they can experience doing play by play and figure out how really tough. It is right now. Yeah, I, I I told Darren Elliott yesterday, I said, hey, there's one seat open in the building, but it's right next to me in the booth. And suddenly, you know, there are all kinds of notes that had to be done. He, just, he got real busy. So yeah. uh, maybe, maybe if I truly go down, maybe he'll hop in. Uh, you're the best. Uh, have a great call tomorrow night, Fox Sports Las Vegas. And uh, hopefully we're listening to you on, on Saturday. What time's the the game tomorrow and if necessary, Saturday? It's 6.05 puck drop for Friday and Saturday if necessary. And, uh, yeah, we certainly hope it is. Uh, awesome stuff. Uh, you're the best. Uh, tons of fun. We can go anywhere with you, and uh, we can't wait to hear you call some some big goals uh, tomorrow night. Thanks, Brian. Rest up, buddy. Thanks so much, guys. Really appreciate it. There's Brian McCormick, the voice of the Henderson Silver Knights, and he is ready to call some uh, big-time action. Up against it. Must win. 
and it happens that fast in this first round of the Calder Cup uh, playoffs in the American Hockey League. It's a best of three, and with all three games in in Denver, in the Denver area, uh, you're up against... Now, they do get the last change tomorrow night, but Brian brings up a, a funny point. Like, everything else stays the same. Uh, the crowd, right. uh, the the game presentation, all that kind of stuff. Can you imagine going into T-Mobile and go, okay, we'll give you last change, but all five games in a series are going to be here. You think the other team uh, would consider that any type of advantage? I wouldn't think so. So uh, uh, Henderson's going to have to battle through that. Yeah, I, I mean, I, it, it's certainly an unfortunate situation, I think, because you, you have to uh, – there's something about playing in your own building. There's something about playing in front of your own fans. Like I, I, it's it's a tough spot. And then you, you know, nothing really changes outside of last change, and that could be helpful for sure. But it's still going to feel very different and very foreign. So I, I, I think that it is a disadvantage, but I, I do think that it's one the Henderson Silver Knights can can answer the bell on because you 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 have no choice, right? Like you have to ratchet up the desperation as best you can, even though you're just two games into a series, but. You know, we've we've seen teams answer before in game number two. We've seen a couple of teams do it over the course of the last day, day plus in the in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So why not start it uh, for Henderson in the in the Calder Cup playoffs? The good news is, if Henderson is able to rally and win tomorrow and Saturday, the next series is a best of five. They will have games at the Dollar Loan Center, so that is awesome. It's yeah. ready. It's waiting for them, and uh, it'll be nice and fresh, and everybody will be so uh, excited. Uh, time for a break on the VGK Insider Show. When we come back, we've got uh, the story from Media Day, some of the sound and some of the reaction and some of the angles that you probably haven't heard a lot about. Uh, we're going to go down that path, and plus a little bit about uh, last night's schedule and what's on tap tonight in the Stanley Cup playoffs. The VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. We're back to the Vegas Golden Knights Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas, 98.9 FM and 1340 AM. BGK Insider Show, Darren Millard along with Ryan Wallace, uh, Chris Chapman at the controls uh, in uh, in Nebraska. He's running the show from there today uh, <laughs> via strings and tin cans. Uh, that's what he's doing today. Uh, I have a question for you guys uh, right off the bat. as And this ties into the Vegas Golden Knights and media availability today. Day the other day, and as well as to the 16 teams that are taking part in the first round of the Stanley Cup playoffs, who's who's the villain of the 2022 NHL postseason as a team? Ooh, man, um, is there one? I I don't know. I like I I think the the best team you could kind of throw out there would maybe be Colorado but they haven't gotten out of the second round I think to be the villain you you have to be a team that's gone maybe deeper than than the Colorado Avalanche yeah. have the, the last couple of days or the last couple of years and then I, I I there was something about maybe the Edmonton Oilers like that that could be deemed unlikable and and I'm I'm even going a little bit further right because like I I genuinely you cheer against them not, that kind of thing yeah yeah, like when you when you haven't won anything at all of, of of consequence over the last two playoff runs that you've had, like I think it's hard to be unlikable in that situation. But there's something about the Oilers that I think rubs some people the wrong way. So I I would I would say maybe Colorado, but 
I don't think there are too many like super unlikable or villainous teams in this in this Stanley Cup playoffs. Yeah, Chapman, it's, quickly, it, it's tough. I think you know. I think a lot of people would root against Boston because of Brad Marchand. Uh, but I don't think they're a threat to win it. So like I and, and I like Brad Marchand, so I, I honestly don't care. But I know he's a guy that a lot of people root against. A lot of people obviously root against Tom Wilson. But I think it's more against rooting no, against teams. individual players. I don't I don't think there is a team. Like okay, I, could, I ask you that question because if Vegas was in They would be the team. Vegas is the villain. Now, uh, from yeah. from a league wide uh, standpoint, and and I and I love that. I think that's that's amazing. But such a big difference uh, from a couple of years ago, where it was the Cinderella story of the National Hockey League, and several of the players were asked about being in the unusual situation of people being uh, on on the opposite side of cheering against Vegas. And William Carlson was one of those, and this was his answer the other day. Well, my favorite soccer team back home in Sweden. It's called AIK, or Aiko as we say it back home. And everyone in Sweden hates them. And I do not mind that at all. Because it's us against the whole MF world, you know? So um, I, I do not mind it. And, you know, you want to... I, I, I love to embrace that. So I do not care um, if... If everyone hates us, um, you know, growing up with uh, the team that I adore, still adore, um, it's uh, it mean it means that um, you've done something good. That last part is the most accurate uh, answer of from William Carlson. Is if mm-hmm. you are disliked by a fan base uh, who who's not. Like uh, a fan base that is neutral uh, everywhere else, but doesn't like you, it's because you're doing something that bothers them. Usually, that means winning. Uh, so, so that that that's huge. But I love William Carlson's perspective on that. Going back to AIK. Yeah, I I do too. I I think that you know there there comes a point right where you have to try to change that perception or you want to lean into it as heavy and as hard as you can and I think the Golden Knights are kind of in a in a point in their history where they have to lean into being the villain they have to lean into being the team that everybody roots against and they've got to lean into that as motivation for going out there and just getting better and being better and and and, you know get to next season healthy and start going out there and beating teams the way that any villain would. I, I, I love the idea that William Carlson wants to lean into it, and I think everybody on the team should. The, the weird part is is the players themselves are all likable players. And, sure. and it, it's it's strange to hear William Carlson embracing being the, the villain or a Mark Stone embracing being Alex Petrangelo being being the villain because all like I love Alec Martinez, uh, I love all those guys. Well, yeah, but I mean, like to a degree, right? The the Tampa Bay Lightning are mostly the same team that has won back to back Stanley Cup championships, and yet they're more likable today, even though they've won. Because I think some of the some of the things that made them unlikable, the 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 long term injured reserve with Nikita Kucherov certainly played a part in that. And I'm I'm not comparing what the Golden Knights went through this year and using LTIR with what Tampa was able to do with Kucherov, 
it's slightly different situations, slightly different scenarios, and it certainly didn't work out the same way for the Vegas Golden Knights as it did for the Tampa Bay Lightning. But I, I think that there are certain things or other things at play that that lead into that perception, and yet you you, you kind of find that that over time it'll course correct, and and we don't view the Lightning in the same way that we viewed them two seasons ago. And you know, for the Golden Knights right now, I think that there it's it's in vogue to to dislike this team so while that's happening lean into it you know the 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 question i want to ask you guys and and i was thinking about it but does that kind of cement vegas as one of the most important franchises in the nhl the fact that in five years there's already a a ton of people across the league that dislike them i think this has been going on for a couple of years though yeah there's been a lot of dislikes since year year one i think year year one year two they they were beloved uh, I think this turned year three, where they kept having success, and other teams, other people were like, "Okay, that was fun for a while. Uh, now I want to get back to my team having some some success, not the new kids in the block. Uh, let Let's go." Uh, and and it's and it's turned in 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 the last uh, in the last couple of years on that regard. But I th- I do think it it's it's a it's a great compliment to the Golden Knights. I you're a team that that knows only winning right like and there are so many franchises out there that wish their first five years in existence looked like what the golden knights first five years in existence looked like i mean you you look at seattle you don't think that their fans wanted the opportunity to go to the playoffs in year number one you don't think that their fans are a bit salty that under the same guidelines same rules their team missed the playoffs by a wide margin in year number one when you see the expansion golden knights go to the stanley cup final like there's a lot of things that happen when you win that rubs people the wrong way even if you are individually likable uh, no one likes success when it when it happens to somebody new to something ever beginner's luck is something that that everybody universally despises and then i think for the golden knights to be able to to take that run and continue to build upon it and continue to get better and continue to have success uh, that's just not how it's supposed to go when you're building a franchise from ground zero it's just not so when you say like buy into it like grab hold of it does that mean lee the golden knight should grab the villain and they should they should become a team next yeah. year oh i'd sure. love that that'd be great would that not be awesome that yeah. would be great i don't i don't plan any what? of that but i think that would be really cool like oh like we're we're the golden knights we're also the badasses yeah i mean i i i, I don't know about you guys or or you know what what you guys liked when you're growing up but i used to watch a lot of wrestling and i used to always that root for the bad guys lot. I used to I I always rooted against Hulk Hogan. I wanted him to lose to King Kong Bundy. I wanted him to lose to to Ravishing Rick Rude. I wanted him to lose to the Million Dollar Man. I always rooted for the bad guy because the bad guy was I thought fun. Thought Hulk was a good guy. Well, Hulk Hogan was a good guy, so I wanted him to lose. The bad guys okay. were fun. They were cool. Razor oh. Ramon was cool. He was the bad guy. He embraced being the bad guy. That was his Chapman, nickname. You know way too much about I think- this. <laughs> I think you're just saying words now, and Derek doesn't understand any of it. Yeah. You know no, what I'm no, talking no. about, Ryan. I mean, <laughs> no, no, no. I, I know. I know. I'm, I'm cool. I get it, Chapman. But Darren's got no like a razor Ramon. He's a, come on, no Darren. How, how much better was Brett the Hitman Hart when he was a bad guy as opposed to being the clean cut good guy? You know what? I, I'll be uh, absolutely upfront with you. I've met Brett twice. 
and mm. neither one of them was around a ref- wrestling ring. <laughs> they were they were both in rings. The Calgary uh, Hitmen, Calgary Hitmen, and a Calgary Flames game, where Brett and I have mm. uh, have bonded and talked about things, but never around a wrestling ring. I I don't get the wrestling thing. I'm sorry. I know I'm in the minority on this thing. I I I like uh, if I'm going to go watch something make believe, I'll watch a movie. Uh, but that doesn't that, that, <laughs> that, 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 it doesn't make you guys it doesn't make you guys bad that you buy into it. It's just not my thing. All right, I'm not. I'm not. Well, I'm not judging anybody here. I'm trying. I'm really trying hard not to judge anybody here. But uh, okay, Darren, you're you're yes. making assumptions that we don't actually recognize that it's make believe. We we do yeah. understand that. We know it's not real. Like that that should go without saying. But I, to to Chapman's point, you always root for the heel. You always want the bad guy to win. Like how you many do? times in life do you? Do, yeah. Oh, I wanted old Yeller to live. Oh, come on. Darth Vader was awesome. Is, like, Darth Vader made the Star Wars talking movies. About. If you're not rooting for Darth Vader, what are you even doing? I was I was cheering for Luke and, and Solo. You glory hunter. Yeah. Wow. But I'm half full. That's, that's disappointing. Yeah, that's disappointing. That... You guys were cheering for Darth Vader? Absolutely. He was yes. cool. Look at how... First of he all, look at his outfit. the best character in the universe. You ever guys you ever know what the about? buttons on his on his chest do? No, like any of that stuff. They helped him like, breathe. Yeah, <laughs> kept like him that, alive. Like that's just because bizarre. he was arrogant and overconfident, and you wanted to see if maybe one day Darth Vader wouldn't be arrogant and overconfident, and it would lead to him being the ruler of the universe. Yes. So, if, uh, so I'm Luke. Are are you mm-hmm. Darth? And what does that make Chapman? Or is Chapman Darth? I'm Lando. Lando was cool. Yeah, Lando not was Lando. You're not no Lando, Lando you're wasn't not cool, cool. Enough to be Lando. Yeah, not even close. Like Lando doing the <laughs> beer commercials and stuff was was awesome. Uh, but uh, but you, you like Lando was was he he would flip on people and stuff like that. Mm. I don't see you yeah. as you as that. You're you you're not coming up with the with the game plan like that. Like that takes way too much thinking for you. That wasn't part of the deal. Right. Exactly. That was a line from the movie. Right. Yes. Yeah, thank you. You tried to trick me on that. <laughs> that was brutal. Uh, we're going to take a break. Uh, what was that, Ryan? No, I'm just trying to figure out what Star Wars character Chapman actually is. And I feel like Jar Jar Binks no, is the only thing that, No, that no, 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 no. He was the worst yeah. character in the history of, of, yeah. of movies. I love my Jar Jar. I'm sorry, I love buddy. My Jar Jar. I'm sorry. Yeah. But but Jar Jar might be might be right. For Chapman, which is good, Chapman. That means I like you, buddy. Well, I know, but I still don't want to be Jar Jar. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, we're going to take a break. We're going to come back with a play today in hour number one of the VGK Insider Show on Fox Sports Las Vegas. No chance to shoot for Stevenson. Centered. Eichel scores. It's time for the play of the day on the VGK Insider Show. Game two, Los Angeles and the Edmonton Oilers, and Connor McDavid had himself a game, and so did Jesse Pugliarvi. This is the play of the day. Had a combination of three types of goals, power play short, had an even strength. It was way back, game five, 2006. Pugliarvi shoots, scores! Clips face, great little poke check there. This puck gets away from L.A. Transitional play. Kane to McDavid, walks in, and yes, a Army buries that one. 
Beautiful pass by McDavid. Doesn't even look at Pugliarvi the whole way to the net. He just beats him over the glove hand side. Hammer time for the Edmonton Oilers, who blanked the L.A. Kings 6 nothing. Big rebound for the Tampa Bay Lightning, who even their series with Toronto. And then you have the Blues and the Wild, also even after a pair, uh, splitting the two games in Minneapolis. The only series that's up 2 nothing right now is the Carolina Hurricanes against the Boston Bruins, and they had an e-bug last night. It was the same guy, Jack LaFontaine. He's part of yep. their, their organization. But he's classified as an e-bug, so he couldn't sit on the bench. One of the stranger rules. And Pittsburgh has uh, recalled one of the uh, deep in their organization, Alex Dorio, as uh, as the backup tonight to Louis Domingue as they play game number two between Pittsburgh and the New York Rangers. That, game's that game, uh, Pittsburgh-New York, tied up at one at the end of the Ooh. first period. And uh, Louis Domingue coming up with a couple of big saves. So... I think the spicy pork and broccoli continues to work wonders for Louis Domingue. I'm do the spicy pork. I'm not doing broccoli. It's got to be a lot of cheese you don't, and salt and stuff to take away the taste of the broccoli. Do you not eat vegetables? Uh, big, I like carrots. I like potatoes. I like onions. <laughs> that kind of thing. Are you a broccoli? Eater? No. Broccoli, not a chance. Cauliflower, that's worse than broccoli. Mm. Chapman, wow. wonder what Jar Jar eats. Uh, I don't want to know. <laughs> He's still sour. I am. He got, I he am. got tagged in Jar Jar. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Best first hour of the VGK Insider Show ever. <laughs> we continue after this break on Fox Sports Las Vegas.